I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. the fangirls on jackalope radio hey everybody and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the fangirl radio show i'm your host jessica dwyer and with me are my two force buddies mr carl duty hey fangirl nation great to be back with you to talk star wars yes we're going to talk all the star wars because really what else should we talk about i mean for real that i just got back from my second viewing um and also mr eric smith he's the sith lord of the show hell yeah (laughs) so yes we are going to be talking star wars there's basically going to be two parts of this episode the first part will be star wars nothing but all the star wars because it's worth at least a half an hour if not longer um, and in the second half of the show, I'm very excited to have on um, some of the ladies and the director of the um, we are doing for Harvest Moon Studios. Harvest Moon Motion Pictures and Television are doing a special gift for you. Actually, it's going to be airing today as of this um, airing of the show on Christmas Eve. You will be able to get a free Christmas-themed episode of Tales of Horror. All the horror, because the holidays are scary already. And just think, all of it is filled with blood and gore and just ridiculousness. Um, So Tales of Horror, you will be able to go on the Vimeo channel of Harvest Moon and go and get this for free. It's hosted by Lilith Death, all beautiful and mysterious and probably going to kill you in your sleep. Yay. <laughs> and uh there's gonna be some great shorts on there. Um the one um there's a few. One is called Santa, which is ninety seconds long, but in that ninety seconds you will never ever look at Santa Claus the same way again. Um the second is a Winter Stalker by director Stephen Reedy. Um Winter Stalker is a little bit of a different view of Santa as well. He, we're really, really on the Santa kick with this. And the um, second, or I'm sorry, the third uh, short that is part of this free episode is called Elphus 2, and it's by Sean Burkett. It's a sequel to um, another uh, Elphus, which was, it's basically a horror theme around the elf on a shelf, which is already scary enough as it is. It's frightening. 
And uh, the last but not least is Unholy Night, and that is where our guests are from. Uh, Unholy Night is by Ryan Stacy and Sean Burkett. Ryan Stacy, as you know, has been on the show a couple of times, and um, he is going to join us with two of the ladies from this episode of or this short, and that short. Um, is another sequel actually to another uh, piece they did, but very this one is very Christmas themed and um, yeah, very bloody, very demonic for a, a Christmas tale. So we're really excited to have them on. And um, yes, it is a free download, free streaming. It's going to be great. I'm very excited. And um, the best part of this, too, is Elphus 2 and Unholy Night are just two of the shorts that are on a uh, Blu-ray release from uh, these gents that has has more content, including another sequel to – they have a, a huge fan base for Ladies' Night, which is on here. And this one's the Ladies' Night Before Christmas. Ladies' Night is notorious for flipping that whole the women or the victims – um, on its head and having the women be the serial killers. So with that, um, that will be in the second half of the episode. But now it's all about the force. Which has awakened. Which has awakened to the <laughs> to the sound of... Ka-ching! Yeah, basically, I think last the last count... Now, mind you, this thing just started literally what last not even last it wasn't even a full week i think it it, yeah thursday night thursday night so it's not even thursday night's amounts are counted in friday's take yeah so they have made almost a billion dollars already worldwide with this the last count was 700 million so, so it's the little movie that could. Yeah, no one. And I, I love the fact that people are like, they're surprised by this. How could you have been surprised by this at it's, all? <laughs> I mean, global box office is one thing. I, it's the domestic title that I really wanted to take. Oh, and they and did. <laughs> no, they haven't yet. They really yeah. ha- They haven't? No, for all time, all time highest domestic is still Avatar over seven hundred and fifty million. They're close to that. They're well, really they're, close. As of today, they're at three hundred million. So they've got a huge start, and all the experts are saying it most likely will. But you know, well, they made a hundred million in pre-sales. Yeah, which is insane. But um, so I, I'm going to start. I, I just came back from my second viewing. And then I will let the guys give their takes as well. I, um, I and think I, we should probably put a caveat out there. Spoilers. spoilers. Yeah, spoilers. <laughs> if you have not seen the movie, which is completely possible because tickets are a little hard to come by. For yeah, I yeah, was, was, was sold out at the at the one I just went to, which is a one o'clock in the afternoon screening. Yeah. So spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. You've been warned. Did you? Do you know there's spoilers? There's spoilers. There's spoilers now. They're spoilers. Okay, so fast forward a little bit to probably like 30 minutes in if you've downloaded this. But if you have, um, you can't be spoiled if you've already seen it. But we're going to discuss and we're going to theorize because I have been talking with my husband about theories and things as well. And one of them has to do with a major spoiler in the movie. So, The Force Awakens. I absolutely 
freaking loved everything to do with this film. Everything. Even emo, emo kid, massive, the, the biggest emo. He is the epitome of the emo child, Kylo Ren. I, I, I can't, I, I, there, he's just so gangly and dweeby and perfect in, um, in this role because he's supposed to be that way. And it took me a minute to warm up to the idea of him being such a dorky looking guy and just being so whiny and tantrumy, which is what he's supposed to be. That's perfect. He, he is actually the epitome because he's supposed to be like Vader light, you know, he's supposed to be like Vader. Well, what do we take away from Vader as a teenager and a young man in the, prequels he was a whiny little shit that had a lot of power and and so it just it makes perfect sense to me that he would be this way and and he's never had anyone to really control him because i i'm not sure how what here here's a spoiler he's the son of han han and leia and um the uh the fact is his powers were corrupted when they he was taken at a young age. Um, well, actually, he wasn't taken so much as he was just corrupted. And we see a flashback to what happens to him. Um, if, if people didn't catch, that's who that was. Because um, there was some discussion here. I don't know about you guys, but um, the fact that the, the um, trainee that was Luke's... Luke's um, student who took on all the other um, Jedis that he was training and killed them all was in fact Kylo Ren because there was some confusion here that Snoke was the one that Luke was training but that's not the case Ben did you guys get confused by that? I, I never thought Snoke had anything to do with with Luke. There was some people that were confused by it and um that thought he was the trainee that did it and then took um Ren as his padawan or however you want to his disciple. Um but I, I have to say I, I loved everything about this movie. I loved the look of it. I loved how it referenced everything from the previous original trilogy. <laughs> it 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 did it in such a way that it was a nice homage and it wasn't trying to recreate it it made it but it was a nice nod to it and there was these callbacks throughout that were just so brilliant and um even if she was only in it for five minutes at the most i loved captain phasma i hope to god that we get to see more of her i loved poe dameron i i thought he was fantastic um finn won my heart and soul and Ray was amazing. Just everything about it was great. I thought BB-8 might get old. BB-8 is adorable, and I love it. And I, <laughs> um, so I have to say, I loved everything about it. I love the story. I love the new characters. I, the one thing I had a problem with was the big, big spoiler, which is the death of Han Solo, because it was telegraphed a mile away. The minute he went back in to blow the thing up, I'm like, oh, he's going down. <laughs> I even I even leaned over to my husband. And my husband had no idea. And he's like, if you're right about this, you read about it. I'm like, no, I did not read anything. I mean, come on, look what's happening. And sure enough. But 
here's the other thing I wanted to ask you two about um, in regards to that scene, because we're still, my husband and I are still debating, even after the second viewing. Um, in that scene, did you think that Ren was asking him to kill him? That he wanted his father to kill him to get him out of that the situation that he was in and the pain that he was feeling. Not at all. Okay. Um, did you As, go ahead. to me? Um, and of course, spoilers. But to me, the second Ren said, "I know what I have to do," uh, whatever the exact quote was, but he said, "I know what I have to do." to end the conflict basically within him. I knew exactly what he was talking about. He had to kill his father to basically cut. Uh, it doesn't really cut all his ties because his mom is still alive, but right. he had to kill his father as the final step. He's no longer conflicted between the light side and the dark side. That's the final step to the dark side. And I never once thought there was anything else on his mind. Okay. So do you think Han allowed him to do that? I think Han did what any father would do. He went to his son, and he went knowing full well that there's a chance that his son was going to kill him. But if there was even a remote chance that he could save his son, listen, my wife's pregnant, my kid's not even born yet, and I would easily lay down my life for a, a child I've never even held yet. It's what a father does. But do you think Han allowed him to kill him? He Han gave Kylo Ren the opportunity to not kill him. Um, you know, he had to basically place himself in that situation and say, you know, he didn't just open himself up. You know, they're both holding on to the... Right. The lightsaber hilt. But essentially, he was opening himself up and saying, I'm right here. You can kill me. I'm not going to do anything to stop it. But this is your chance. Right. Yeah. I think I think Han was smart enough to know that, you know, Kylo or Ben Solo is his, as his yeah, given name. <laughs> um, I think he was smart enough to know that he would not be able to stop. He didn't like Kylo just had too much power. And he, if Kylo decided to kill him, he would not be able to stop him. But again, it's what a father does. He had to take the chance to save his son. Right. I, and I'm, I'm still, I think I, when I first watched it, I, I think I, it came into my head that he was at, he was wanting his dad to kill him. And that's why he handed him the lightsaber to begin with. And the, and, and Han wouldn't do it. And then when they were doing their back and forth, because he, he offered it to him, um, when they were doing their back and forth, I thought it was because Han wasn't going to let him kill, you know, commit suicide if that was what he was going to do. It, it's an interesting scene. And I, uh, I'm curious to see what, what the, the novelization or J.J. Abrams has to say about it, too, because it's just a great scene. And I liked his, you know, he, he basically forgives him before he falls. Yeah, I think that I agree with Eric in that this was the last shred of Ben Cano of Ben Solo that was in him. And now he is completely Kylo Ren. It was kind of a juxtaposition to Vader 
Right. Whereas Vader had that, like, that last shred of good in him. And had he let the Emperor kill Luke, then that would have extinguished that last shred of good. But he had chose to embrace that last shred of good and save his son. Whereas we have a, a kind of a reversal of that here in this situation. Well, and the other the other piece of this, too, that we've been talking about, and I'm curious to see what you guys think, is Ray, who is an amazing character. And I'm going to get into the Mary Sue BS a little in a little bit because I'm really annoyed by it. Um, but my husband and I were discussing this and he is like a lifelong Star Wars nut. I mean, he's read everything. He's been in it. Um and uh, we were talking about her just recently and the fact that um, we think she was channeling the dark side a lot because she's not trained, of course. But every time in the movie, especially when she was battling Kylo Ren, she was that you, the, the music changed to that dark side hum and she was just wailing on him like Luke was wailing on Vader and the fact that there was no training in her at all so how did she defeat this guy who who was able who has been trained um how she was doing it is just pretty phenomenal and the fact that it's most likely the easier path to take which is the darker path because she's raging out I don't I think it's yeah, I don't think it's necessary she was channeling the dark side. I, well, I don't think she was doing it on purpose, but I I honestly think she was. I, I don't even think she was doing it, like, instinctually or even, like, not on purpose. I think if you go back to what, I forget the character's name, uh, um, the Yoda-ish character in the <laughs> cantina that gave her the lightsaber. She's like, the Force is calling to you. She recognizes that Rey is extremely Force-sensitive. And she said, like, the Force is calling to you, and you need to let it in. I think in that battle, I mean, you get, as far as the music cues go, the music cues fit because you're in, you're on a dark planet. You're fighting um, a dark lord. Yeah, but, but that's the same and, kind of music cues not, that you but get. It's, not, it's, it's a music cue for Kylo Ren. It's not a music cue for Rey. The music changes when Rey but Kylo- has that moment when she finally kind of closes her eyes and actually does let the force in. Yeah, but that same that same music cue and that same action that she was taking on Kylo Ren is exactly what Luke was doing when he turned in Jedi and beat Vader down. And then she was doing the thing where she was poking him and she cut his face and um, just beat the living crap out of him and was taking her and, you know, turned around, like turned her back on him to get her breath back so she could really go back and get him down, beat him down. And I think that there it's it's interesting. We were just talking what we were talking about was the fact that wouldn't it be phenomenal in this? And it wouldn't surprise me. And it would just be cool as hell if they flipped this and Ray ended up being the one that turned to the dark side and the redemption tale of this turns out to be Kylo. I don't think that's going to be the case because I think what they did with Kylo, they did, they did three things with Kylo Ren right off the bat in this film that kind of, because if, if there's any fault to be found in this film, it's that it's familiar to a fault. 
that it hits every single beat the original Star Wars film hit. And I think one of the things that they did with Kylo, the three things they did with Kylo Ren that I really liked that kind of avoided doing that to an extent in the future was that they, they took off the mask, they told you who he was, who he really is, and they had him kill Han. So we know who this character is. There's not, at, there's not the mystery surrounding this character's identity and motives as there was with Vader in the first couple movies. So I think that they are going to continue. I think, you know, Kylo is, is dark side is going to stay dark side. I think Ray was just having an experience, like a first time experience with the force, not knowing how to handle that for being as force sensitive as she is. So I don't see her turning to the dark side at all. Well, here's my take on it. First of all, um, you keep talking about her her sort of rage when she's fighting him, but the moment that she really channels the force, she stops and calms down. Yeah. It's a quiet moment. She's not in a rage. But she it's flips she, to a rage. It's it's when she stops and calms down that she lets the force in. And as far as her brutal, I'm doing air quotes, you can't even see it, but as far as her brutal fighting style, I think it's just an untrained fighting style. Yeah. She doesn't have finesse to work with. She doesn't have any skill to work with. She just has, um, no pun intended, she just has force to yeah. work with. Yeah, it's um, like her, her I never force. once thought that she was going dark at any point. I think uh, the the few times we actually see her really channeling the force, we see her calming herself down and getting centered. Um, and that that's my take. I didn't see any dark side in her at all. Yeah, like her little pokes and cuts on Kylo, they're not like intent of torture. They're, I'm handling a weapon I've never handled before against someone who's very well trained in this weapon. I'm going to take whatever little hit I can get on him. Cut his face open. She got a cut in on his face. It's not like she, he's like free flowing blood or anything. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's a lightsaber. There is no free-flowing blood. It's all cauterized immediately. But he's going to have a cool scar. The chicks will dig it. Yeah. Let me let me, uh, let me me chime in with my thoughts here, uh, kind of going back to the beginning. Um, I, lo- I Like you, Jess, I absolutely love the film. J.J. did it. He, like, I thought the movie was going to be good, but I didn't know if I was going to have that feeling of, like, true Star Wars. Uh, but I, I had that feeling throughout. It, JJ did the impossible. He gave us a, a real Star Wars film again. Um, like I said, the only the only thing I'm really faulting this movie on is that it was familiar to a fault. Um, it mirrored the original Star Wars. It hit all those beats, and the climax of the film was yet another Death Star ish. Now I'm doing the air quotes battle. That that aside, I'm okay with that. Like, I if you're telling me that this is the movie I'm going to get and there's going to be an anticlimactic battle, I'm going to be like, okay, that's fine. I'm in. I get a good Star Wars movie. I mean, I like, it's for these reasons I can't give it, like, a perfect score. One performance I want to talk about, because this really, after I saw the movie, the death of Han Solo, like, kind of took me out of the movie and... 
but not like in a bad way, in an emotional reaction way. I cried the second time. Because <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, I was ugly crying. I was sitting there next to my wife, like. <laughs> but no, because like the reason being is that as long as I've been alive, Star Wars has been part of my life. This character, these characters have been part of my life. Yes, I know they're fictional characters, but you know what? When my parents got divorced, these characters were there to help me get through that. When I experience um, some passings in my life, some people passing on before they should have, uh, these characters were there to help me get through that. So there's an emotional attachment to these characters that even though the second Han stepped out on that walkway, I knew what was going to happen it still hit me like a gut punch. Um, that side, the one performance I really want to talk about is Carrie Fisher's performance. She and here, so here's good. why. She was so good. This character, if you go back and watch, um, which I'm sure we all have, if you go back and watch Star Wars Empire and Jedi, this character is the fiery spirit of those movies. She's like the, the hard-charging rebellion leader, um, strong action woman in this what what fisher did with her performance of the character in this movie i think looking back on it and having time to evaluate it was genius because you saw you saw yes you saw a general now general leia organa but you saw a character in star wars who has experienced more loss than probably any other character in any of the stories. Because when you go back and think about it, this is a woman who who saw her planet destroyed before her eyes. Everyone she knew and loved wiped out instantly before her eyes. She lost her adoptive parents. She then lost her biological father, which she never had a chance to know. She lost her son. She lost her husband. And she lost her brother. And the raw emotion that Carrie Fisher conveyed in that performance was, I think the best performance of the film. And something that I didn't like really think of right away because there's so much stuff going on in the film. But after like I had some time to digest it and go over in my head, it really hit me how amazing her performance was. I, I love the fact that she she did she seemed kind of defeated and drained, and the the one thing um, once again I'll I'll talk about my husband and I discuss it because that's what we do we t- we talk about this stuff until we can't talk about it anymore is the fact that um, he thinks and he's I think he's right I think she knew what was going to happen um, Leia is a Jedi in a lot of ways, and she's definitely got the power. We've seen it before. We've seen it in in Return of the Jedi. We've seen it come up um, previously that she can see what's coming, and I think she knew that Han probably wasn't coming back, and she definitely, of course, we saw her feel it when he died. Yeah. And it's just – she's – you know, people, you know, mock her, make fun of her a lot. But I thought she looked stunning. She, yeah, she looked fantastic. I, I thought, and, and Harrison Ford still got it. Yeah. Oh, my God. And I loved how they played it where they still loved each other, but there was no way that these two could ever 
you know, stay, you know, they're not going to have white picket fence in the perfect life. They're not going to be able to do that. He is who he is. She is who she is. And instead of stay, I love the fact that instead of being a princess, she chose to be a, a, a leader of a yeah. general. I know. think, I think had um, Ben not fallen to the dark side, they would have had the happy ending. But it's like you see, you hear about so many times, like uh, a couple loses a child, well, and just the damage that that does. They they talked about how he was he left, and I think Han felt responsible because he's always the smuggler. You know, he can't stay tied down. He's the traveler. It's his ship. You know, the Falcon is his home, and that is not a home. That's a mobile home. That the whole Lone Star. <laughs> that connotation in Spaceballs is not far from it. You know, he that's his home and it's not a place that's going to be stuck on one planet. And I kind of got the vibe in this that they tried. They tried to do that. And his nature and her nature, even though opposites attract, obviously, it just couldn't work. And I think that is what he blames himself for. I think he gave him to Luke to, to train thinking here's the stable father figure that he can get, but the damage may have been too much already done. Well, see, I disagree with that because the, the dialogue they had between each other was the explanation for the separation was that it was because of what happened to Ben. And they said to each other, like, you know, we had to find a way for each of us to deal with it. And this was, we kind of went back to who we were prior which is, again, why I think if ben, had Ben not had that tragedy, that they would have had that happy ending. Because that, that, if, you, if you say that he would have, irregardless of what happened to Ben, he would have left eventually, then that means all the character development that happened to him from Star Wars to Jedi was irrelevant. Because then he never actually changed who he was. In this story, he went back to who he was before because of what happened to Ben. Well, it was but you the only have, way he knew how to emotionally deal with it. But you have these mentions by by Ben slash Ren himself saying that he's the father you never had. Well, let me tell you, you're going to be disappointed. And I'm, I wonder if, it, like I said, I'm cur- I want to read the book. I want to read the book to find out because I've already talked to people that have listen to the audiobook of it and, 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 and are reading it. Uh, and they said that there's, um, there's men, you know, there's more to it that as always, there's the case you get more backstory. Yeah. And I, I'm curious to see if that's the case, if that's what led to this. And, um, it, it's just, you know, the fact that I'm wanting to know more is great. Yeah. It's, it's nice to leave a star Wars movie without, having all the answers to the questions and a lot it's less nice state leave... federation discussion of yeah it's <laughs> nice to a general bad taste in your mouth without uh, with some mystery a grievous it's, taste it's, yeah. i see what you did there as far as the uh the new characters go i love them all i think poe is my favorite um jess i'm sorry to say it uh as much as i enjoyed captain phasma she's probably the new boba fett looks really cool <laughs> that's what Doesn't a lot of people anything. are saying that's what a lot of people are I'm, saying i'm like i was like come on don't do this that's such a cool character design you've got such a fantastic fantastic actress to play her but i guess uh uh kathleen kenny said that 
that uh, Captain Phasma is going to have plenty to do in the next two films. Well, did but, you um, did you hear what her out? The thing I'm freaking geeking out about is what her outfit is made from. No, that, adamantium. No, it's it's. <laughs> I think it's actually called up. Uh, I actually think it's called chromium. Chromium, and it's <laughs> actually taken from um, Sidious's ship. And it's it actually um, uh, blocks radiation, but it's the actual like paneling of of the outside of Darth Sidious's ship, the Emperor's ship. Interesting. And uh, she she wears it as a representation of old power. All right. Well, my take here, my big takeaway, and I mentioned this in my uh, spoiler free video review. Um, I think if you take off the nostalgia-covered glasses, and by you I mean everybody in the world, and just look at this objectively, I think this is the best Star Wars movie. Now, I'm not saying it's my favorite. That'll uh, almost guarantee it'll always be the first one will be my favorite. Even better than Empire. But uh, just completely objectively, as far as performances, the way the story holds together, um, the, the characters... Uh, I think this is the superior piece. I'm not a huge Empire fan. I'd like A New Hope better. But the the performances in the original trilogy aren't great. They're not bad. But I don't think oh. there are any really standout performances. They're, it's they're, they're it's performances... Is directing it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they're performances of their time. Although I think he only directed one of the original he directed, three, first, didn't he? He directed yeah. the first one. He directed New Hope, the, the one you like. Yeah, so... <laughs> the performances got yeah. significantly better in Empire and Jedi. But I, I do think they're better in this one. And, of course, in the prequels, oh, such a great cast, Wasted. The worst performances by everybody in those three movies. Um, and And typically that was because Lucas was telling them to act that way. Yeah. And uh, I, I just I, don't I, understand. <laughs> So, I, think with the, I think just really quickly chime in. I think Ewan McGregor's performance of Obi-Wan is one of the very few things that make those films somewhat watchable because his performance was very good. He sounded and looked like him. It was creepy. Yeah. Um, so I know we're getting ready to run out of time here because we've been we've actually um, been talking about this for almost forty minutes. Well, hold on, Eric still got more to say. Oh, yeah, no, I know. I just I I, I want to bring up one thing for sure before before we um, we go to our second segment. But Eric, go ahead. Um. Well, like I said, I just objectively I think it's uh, the best one overall. The new characters are all fantastic. Um, John Boyega was great. Daisy Ridley was amazing. I loved Poe Dameron was such a cool character. He was my favorite character. I did not expect that at all. Um, I did say in my review before that, and we've touched on this, for someone who's on a ton of merchandising, there's hardly any Captain Phasma, and it could have been generic Stormtrooper Captain number five in that role. Um, Unfortunately, and I'm really hoping they do so much more with her uh, in the next two, or at least the next one, you know, however long the character lasts. Uh, I do, but, like, yeah, the, I I do like the nod to the first, to New Hope with, that they did with her. <laughs> is there yeah. a, is there well, a trash compactor? <laughs> yeah. 
a lot of great uh, nods, and the fact that it really steals, for lack of a better term, maybe it's not the best term, but steals a lot from A New Hope, I I like to think was their way of saying, look, we've gone back to what Star Wars really is. Yes, we're hitting these set pieces, but now we've got it out of the way with this first one, and just wait to see what we do in the next two. I'm hoping that's what's What's going on? Going on? There was an article today on ComicBookResources.com that J.J. Abrams was quoted as saying he is regretting that he opted not to direct Episode Eight. Yeah, I saw he's that. Read, he's read the script and it's that good. Uh, okay, so for uh, the thing that. And we don't have to wait three years. The thing we don't have to wait like the, a year and change. The, and then you got Rogue One in between there, too. Yeah. Um, the thing that's killing me about Poe Dameron was the fact that um, the fact that he was supposed to die. Like, yeah. And, and they didn't kill him, which is awesome. Thank you for keeping Oscar around. Um, the, uh, but the one thing I wanted to bring up before we run out of time. And it's really, really pissing me off is there are so many people out there right now calling Ray a Mary Sue. Firstly, I have in my head what I think a Mary Sue is from years of reading fanfic and writing it. She is definitely not a Mary Sue in that regard at all. What's a Mary Sue then? Okay. So do you know what a Mary Sue is? Do you need that? Actually, here's what a Mary Sue is. A... A Mary Sue is the, I call it the perfect pixie bitch. A perfect pixie bitch, Mary Sue, is the one that comes in. She's able to redeem the unredeemable character. Everything she does is perfect. There's nothing wrong with her at all. There are no flaws within her. Everything goes right for her. She is perfection in a, in a female form. Oh, I completely disagree with that. And that is what a Mary Sue is. That it, it, it's a term that uh, it's she's basically the MacGuffin of a story, and and okay. when you do uh, a lot of your your um, fanfics out there, the worst ones that you're going to read are the ones that have a female character that is an original female character put into the story, who is perfect for the you know I love you, Dean Winchester. I'm going to make you stop thinking about that car and that angel guy. You know, like that. <laughs> that's that's what they are. So. With all this talk of it, it, a lot of it is from these fanboys who are pissed off that they have put a woman as the lead in a Star Wars film. Now, here's what I find amusing Daisy Ridley's character, Ray, what is the difference between her and Luke Skywalker, other than the fact that she's not nearly as whiny? I would say I would argue she's actually a more flawed character she than is. Luke. She is. She, Luke is eager to go out and have adventures and yeah, join the rebellion. He's your perfect male protagonist who yeah. is. I am a pure soul, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to do good, and I've got flowing blonde hair and pretty blue eyes. Yeah, and I am out here to save the day. Ray doesn't want to leave. Even when Han offers her a job and she clearly wants to take it, she's so 
enca- encapsulated by this idea that her family is coming back, that she's terrified to leave Jakku. Yeah, right. she has to get back to Jakku. Right, and she's also, like I said, we, we've argued about it, but I really do think that she's definitely not perfect. She's She's got flaws. I really think that she's going to have an issue with this whole light and dark side because I think that abandonment is going to come back and literally bite Luke on the ass because I don't think it's a surprise that I think she's his daughter. And um, I think it's going to come back to bite them in the ass that, that she's come back to him and she's going to realize that he left me there. He was never coming back for me. And I was going to die there because that one scene sticks in my mind where she's looking across the table and seeing that old woman who's doing the same thing she is and has been doing it for a long time. And now she's in the middle of all of this and discovering this power. There is, that is not a Mary Sue. That is a complex character with a deep backstory who is, a badass who's a female and is going to be the epitome, the core of this film, of all of these these three these upcoming films. She is going to be it. If it was a dude, they wouldn't be saying anything. And um, the other part of this that I'm really irked about too is we're having the whole Black Widow syndrome. There's actually another hashtag out there called "Where Where Is Ray?" because you got there's a lot there's a few things of Phasma who's hardly in the movie, but you really can't tell as a female. I think that may have still surprised some people that she was a girl, but for Ray, who is the lead character in this, she's not on hardly anything, and they just did this big target of course has this big exclusive pack that you can buy that has it's supposed to be the lead characters in the movie. And who's in it? Kylo Ren, Poe Dameron, Finn, nondescript star tr- stormtrooper number two, and nondescript TIE fighter pilot number 45. I, I don't think it's nearly as bad as it was with Black Widow. Black Widow, you couldn't find anything. There's, there's, you, a, there's, there's hardly, a lot of Ray stuff out there. There's though. only like, but, I think, three things. Three or there's, four. There's, there's a lot more than, than that. I've, I personally, I've seen more than that. But, um, but for that, I think, tag, I think that, a lot of it also it, might be held back. A lot of the products might be held back. Because so they the want to keep out for a little while. Secret that exactly. She's the lead. That's, like, where's the Luke products? You well, see what I'm saying? Because they, they pulled. They, they do pulled have the a lot of Luke switch. released. They, they pulled. There's no, like, Force Awakens Luke out there. They pulled they pulled a bait and switch geniusly with because everything leading up to this, you thought Finn was gonna be like kind of the lead character. Right. And then and then Ray was kinda like the sidekick, but they they switched it. Well, and, hopefully and they didn't see it come. The- so I think we'll see a lot more Ray stuff. There is a lot of stuff out there. I've seen Funko Pops, I've seen T shirts, action figures. It's not nearly as bad as Black Widow. It's not as bad, but the thing that was really annoying me, like I said, is the fact that you have this backlash of calling her that and being pissed off. And if it was a guy, you wouldn't be hearing any of that. You wouldn't. You wouldn't be hearing it. Because you've already had that perfect Mary Sue guy. His name was Luke. 
and then it got really weird in Empire. <laughs> so, um, but we, I, I, we've ran out of time for our discussion, guys. Thank you for, um, for talking Star Wars with me. I'm sure we can carry this over to next week, too. Probably. Um, yeah, I know we can. Um, we're going to bring in our special guest for our interview segment here in just a moment. But um, uh, tune in um, for sure. Next week, we'll be talking more. It's going to be the end of the year. So we're going to probably do our best of 2015. It's literally going to be airing on New Year's Eve. So be thinking about your best of stuff for 2015, guys. Oh, my best it. movie of 2015 is. Yeah, I can't imagine. <laughs> It's Alvin, Alvin and, and the, the Chipmunks. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. All right, guys. So we'll be bringing our interview on in just a moment. Thank you again, uh, Eric and Carl. So everybody, um, welcome my special guests who are all part of the Harvest Moon motion picture and television special Christmas Eve edition of Tales of Horror. I'm so excited. Aisha, did I say that right? Aisha, I keep saying it wrong, don't I? <laughs> God, you do. I do. I'm going to just let Ryan say it. It's Ryan and Aisha. It's Aisha. 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 God, I, I suck. Hello. 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 And they are all a part of the, as I said, the Tales of Horror Christmas Eve episode. And uh, they are all in. Um, Ryan, actually, you've, you've heard him before on the show. He is a friend of the show. And he is a director of the Unholy Night segment of the episode. And um, these lovely ladies are also part of that episode. So welcome to Fangirl Radio Girls and Ryan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank and you for having us. We are very excited. And uh, first of all... What was it like filming this? Because um, I know it, I don't want to spoil the episode for anyone that hasn't seen this yet. Um, there's some interesting scenes that you guys do in this. And um, I'm just curious about how it was to film. Was what kind of uh, what kind of uh, difficulties did you have? Because I know it was probably cold. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was cold for sure. Um, luckily for Brittany and Aisha, they both had scenes inside a warm apartment. Um, so <laughs> they, they lucked out. Um, but it was, I guess the most difficulty we had shooting this part was, um, mainly Aaron's makeup who portrays, um, a character she did in a short for us before called Sun. And this one's actually a continuation of that. And Aisha, Jessica actually wrote Summon. That oh. Holy Night is based on. Nice. I did not know that. That's phenomenal. So, um, so tell me about about Summon and and Unholy Night. How did you know that you were going to do a, a sequel to it when you made the first one? Um, I don't think we did truthfully, just because we didn't know how it would go. Now we did leave it with a cliffhanger. It says to be continued. I don't know, Aisha, you wrote the first one. Did you hope that there would be more? It was actually originally supposed to be ended the first time, but we decided to leave it as a continuation. I did not know how it was going to be continued, but when Ryan came to me, he said, oh, I continued it for this Christmas anthology that we're about to do, and he let me read through it, and he says, do you like what I did with it? I was like, oh, my gosh, that's 
awesome. I love how you continued it and ended it, and it was it just worked out perfectly. Nice. So, um, what inspired the original in this one as well? Well, I mean, what what made you want to do? little bit of a spoiler a demonic um a demonic storyline like this well sean came to me when he came up with the idea for watch this and he said i would really like you to write a short for it and i guess the the reason why i went with demonic was for me in horror movies it it's the paranormal and the more demonic ones that really get to me and give me the chills like that so that where I decided to head with it was something that could creep me out. Nice. So Brittany, um, can you talk about um, making this, this part of the, of the short films and, and it's got your, your character is kind of interesting because did, did you have like a backstory in your head for why he would want to kill her? <laughs> um, kind of just that she was just too annoying. Too <laughs> <laughs> so you just wanted to it just seemed like you just were an annoying uh annoying nag yeah pretty much she was just always so bubbly and cheery and going on and on and on about stuff so i just figured that had to be the reason and <laughs> he was probably worried because he's like oh no child that has those genes can be any good so <laughs> it's so twisted so ryan um did yeah. you <laughs> Did you write, you wrote this epi- this part of the of the film as well, correct? Well, yeah, the, the whole story is actually two different shorts in um, our collection, Season's Greetings. And I believe you are showing both parts of the special, correct? Right, we're, like, we're putting them together yes. and, and into mm-hmm. a one longer format. Well, um, Sean wrote and directed the opening segment. Gotcha. With Brittany and Mike and we set out and we had this initial idea for why Mike's character does what he does and how everything goes down. Sean and I agreed upon that and he went and took that. I directed and wrote Unholy Night. And um, I don't know, I, I should short from some and it always interested me and I felt like it needed to be wrapped up. I, I can't stand when something says to be continued and it never gets continued. <laughs> so we just, you know, we were coming up with these stories and we just somehow miraculously interlaced um, Aisha's character from Summon with this, all these other events. And I just, I love the idea of having Brittany's character return in the way she does. And it, I just thought it was kind of a wicked way to end a movie that's supposed to take place on one of the most joyous nights of the year. It just seemed appropriate. So kind of into that vein, um, what... What made you want to do a Christmas horror anthology? We just, Sean and I, you know, we recently um, began collaborating on films again. We took a year off from apart from each other and um, we wanted to do something and we had access to this amazing camera, which by the way, we got news tonight that um, this camera that was on loan to us has now officially been gifted to us. Oh my God. They like yeah, so we went out. We now own that camera, which is amazing. But we just wanted to do something really quick. It took us six weeks to plan and do this collection and um, shoot it. Collectively, the hours of shooting only, I guess, really, we did the math tonight, added up to, like, what was it, Aisha, two days? Yeah, I would say it was about two, two and a half days. 
Wow. And, uh, and yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's great. And you have like, well, there, there's Elphis too is one of them as well that we're going to be having as part of, uh, how did you make the elf on the shelf even creepier than it is already? That actually is all Sean's genius. Um, <laughs> if you would like, I could pull him out here to answer that question for you personally. <laughs> I'm just, would you I, like me to, Jessica? That would be phenomenal because I want to know. Okay, let take, me get him. Hold on. How can you take an elf on the shelf, which is already one of the most disturbing things ever thought up, and make it that creepy where it actually kills people on camera? I just, I just. It was definitely, definitely made it more creepy, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, Jessica, I have pulled Sean out here into the Concept Media Studios to Hel- uh, answer your question for you personally. Hello, Sean. Hello, Jessica. I, I have, Sorry, uh... I am, I am, I have to know, I have to get it from your mouth. Why? Why would you make something that's already creepy, inherently creepy, like Elf on the Shelf, and make it even worse? Make it even more creepy. I would have to say (laughs) purely, um, um, uh, honestly, uh, me and Scott Gillespie, who is a part of uh, the concept media, actually, he's been in everything we've ever done. we were really high one night and we were making fun of um, um, our, our friend Kelsey C. Nagel is terrified of Chucky. Just absolutely terrified of Chucky. And we thought that that was so funny and it was Christmas time and we kept hearing about this elf on the shelf. I mean, we were two bachelors. We didn't know what the hell an elf on the shelf was. And uh, then we were just like, what if we made this elf that just killed people with butter knives <laughs> specifically butter knives <laughs> specifically butter knives we had some good shit that night um so therefore that i mean that's that's really how elfus came about and then you Thank made you, a marijuana <laughs> and then you made a sequel <laughs> yes weren't we weren't high for the sequel i promise <laughs> But, yeah, everybody is, like, they're face-palming here because I'm giving you the truth. Was I not supposed to do so? <laughs> I mean, I stated it was marijuana. It's not like I was rolling on something. <laughs> okay. They're taking the headphones away from me. Thank you, Jessica. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> uh, but it, at least he's truthful. That's true. I mean, it's not like he... <laughs> It's just shocking. It's not like he's Courtney Love. It's just, I cannot believe that he was just, that was the most candid interview I've ever seen in Sean Burkett. <laughs> That's great. So what, what's even cooler about this is that you, you gave us these to show as a free gift to everyone out there, but they are part of a, a Blu-ray edition that you can buy that actually has the full film on it with extra goodies and things like that and it actually comes with naughty and nice christmas cards 
That is true. So talk about the other films that are on your collection for Season's Greetings, because I want to make sure everybody knows where they can go and, and get the full full effect, which includes oh. Ladies' Night Before Christmas. Yes. Yes, it does. So please. Um, well, <laughs> I mean, I feel like I talk about Ladies' Night so much, but these girls, these characters are just so important to me and I love them so much and um, this actually is the short film that kind of really kick-started me trying to pursue a feature because the idea I had originally for this Christmas short called Late, The Ladies Night Before Christmas was a really like kind of high concept and pretty high budgeted short film and somebody was like if you're going for that kind of money just go for more and try to make a feature so I kind of put Ladies Night Before Christmas under my hat. And then when Sean and I conceived Season's Greetings, he was like, well, you know, we'll direct two shorts each. And I'm like, okay. And I just needed to come up with something real quick. And I remembered, oh, I have this amazing short. And that's how it came to be. Originally, though, it did have all three girls in it, Jessica. If you noticed when you watched it, one of mine, the blonde was absent. Right. And she, but she showed up on the phone, correct? Correct. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was really, I had a lot of fun directing that. And it was, I, it's always a joy to, to do a ladies night short. And um, it was my first time in a couple of years directing a film in general, but also working with Sean again as my DP. And I had a lot of fun with him that night. And, you know, we really sat down the days before and really worked out where the shots were going to be and staged everything. And it just was a really fun experience. This whole project has been and. It's actually been a reunion of sorts because we got to work with Aaron again, and specifically Aisha. We haven't worked with her in a while, so it's kind of been a homecoming for the holidays. Awesome. And so where can they get um, the Blu-ray of this if they are wanting to purchase it? Where, where can they go? ConceptMediaLLC.com. There you go. ConceptMediaLLC.com. But if you want to get a free peek into the gifts that are within season's greetings um you can check out the tales of horror christmas eve special that is a free stream and viewing um it will be up on christmas eve at 8 p.m eastern on the tales of horror vimeo channel which girl by the way as always thank you so much for um Helping us this, this opportunity, is, that's really cool to have when we're just releasing. It's great. So thanks for letting us be a part of it. Oh, you are so welcome. We appreciate it. it it's going to be, it's part of a really, really amazing group of filmmakers. Um, Ryan and Sean are, are joined by some other great, great filmmakers. Um, they are... Uh, <laughs> There's a couple other shorts involved, and one of them is called Santa, and that's from a couple of, I believe they're brothers. It's a brother directing team from Greece, and they are, um, they did uh, a 90-second short called Santa that you will never look at Santa the same way ever again. It's just, in, in 90 seconds, they creep you out in the most amazing way, and you will never want Santa to come to your home ever, ever again, ever 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 i'm glad that you brought up the 90 second short thing because um sean and i were just a part of have you heard of the 60 seconds to die yes yes i have yeah 
Well, Sean and I were a part of it, and Brittany actually starred in one of the shorts that was submitted by Sean. He had three titles involved in this project. And I'm just noticing this really cool trend where we're doing these extremely short shorts. Well, and Crypt TV but, is doing is doing a lot of stuff like that too. That that are like really mm-hmm. short, and it's it's a real trial and test for a filmmaker to make something that short and make it impactful. And uh, it's really cool. And uh, the other um, short that's on um, this special is called Winter Stalker. And it's by a mm-hmm. gentleman named Stephen Reedy. And it's another take on Santa Claus, which is really, man, we're going to mess some kids' heads up if they actually catch this with what we've done to a seat. <laughs> it's not okay. It's not okay. Um, and, of course, it is all hosted by the lovely Lilith Death. And um, I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. But, guys, I want to thank you so much for being a part of it. It's going to be fantastic. I can't wait. Thank you. And it's always a pleasure to have you on, Ryan. You're a f- friend. Thank of, you. You're a friend of the show. We love having you on. And uh, thank you, ladies, for joining us and putting up with Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're welcome. Thank he's, you. He's easy once you get to know him, but thank you. <laughs> I do know him. That's what I said. <laughs> I love you, Ryan. Um, and thank you, Sean. Well, Merry Christmas to you guys, too. Thank you. Merry Christmas. And uh, <laughs> tell Sean wherever he is, wherever he was he was pushed into, what room he was locked into, <laughs> but thank him for being a part of this as well. Appreciate it. And we will, um, we will see you guys soon. Hopefully, we'll have you back on the show. And as I said, conceptmediallc.com is where you can go get the full-on season's greetings on Blu-ray. But be sure to check out Christmas Eve. The special will be up on Vimeo, our Tales of Horror Vimeo channel. And we will um, see you the last, next week's the last week of 2015. That's terrifying. That's crazy. Yeah. I know. I'll I'll be 30 this year. Oh God, your baby! Um, <laughs> I'm I turned forty this year. I'm so thrilled. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, the net. Our next episode will actually be airing on Christmas Eve um, of Fangirl Radio. It'll be the finale for the year. My God! Woo! Oh my God! So New Year's Eve, we'll be partying on Fangirl Radio. Um, but thank you guys again. Thank you again, gent and ladies, for joining us. And um, thank you. Thank you, and uh, thank you. Merry Christmas to all, and to all a scary good night. Mwahaha. <laughs>